Good morning, church. Jim Edel here. I hope this day finds you well, and I welcome you here to share in God's Word. As you can tell, we are not meeting at the center this morning, but we are meeting from my home. Well, two of us are live at our home, but we are here. I hope you had an opportunity to join us last week live at the center. And just a reminder, you still have to register to attend next week. And uh, just you can do that on Facebook, uh, Harbor Facebook, or you can do it at the uh, the Harbor website. So let's get started. Grab your Bible, whatever form that you have, and your coffee and a pen and a paper, because you just don't know God may lay something on your heart this morning that you'll want to write down. A brief recap of what Braden has been leading us in in the last few weeks is that Paul is the writer of this book, which is Colossians. He wrote it in, uh, from prison uh, to the church in Colossae. Paul has shared the gospel, the good news, and now he is and he has been a minister of it. How it affected him and others through the region was just mind-boggling, changing lives. And that has changed us from today and will change us until tomorrow. His message of the gospel was aimed at the Gentiles. And one note, this book of Colossians is the most Christ-centered book of the Bible. Our text today is found in Colossians 1, 24, all the way to 2, uh, verse 5. We pick it up in chapter 1, 24. It says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in the, my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commissioning of God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So let's break this down. Paul suffered greatly for his sharing of the gospel, and he did so willingly for the advancement of the message that salvation was for everyone who accepts Jesus and for the glory of God. So how do we stack up on that one? Suffering and rejoicing together. One must keep focused on the task at hand, at looking at the big picture, knowing this has a purpose for changing lives. Next is the part that... I will fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affections. Paul doesn't mean that Christ's suffering was inadequate to save him, nor does it mean that there is a predetermined amount of suffering that believers must uh, go through uh, in, in their lifetime. But it could be saying that suffering is unavoidable in bringing the good news of Christ to the world. It is called Christ's suffering because all Christians are related to Christ. Paul isn't suffering because he did something wrong, but because of his belief in Jesus um, being a, and being a Christian. To suffer as a Christian is to identify with Jesus. We see in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Is that what we aim for every day? Is that what we aim for for our lives? That we realize the power of the resurrection, the power of Christ coming back to life. Do we grasp that, the power that is in that, in that statement, in that moment uh, for, for the rising of Christ. He's, Christ went to the cross knowing he was delivering a message of salvation for all those who would accept him. He was doing this for the betterment of man. He did this for the love of others, and he was doing the Father's will. In my walk, I have seen this played out many times. I have heard and seen the lives of people that gave up everything just to take the message of hope to the world and doing it joyfully, finding their strength in Him. 
and it humbles me sometimes what I let get in the way of his will for my life. Yes, he has worked through me many times, but many times I stood against it. I must remember the gospel that Jesus came and lived amongst us, shared who he was, how he got how to get us back to the Father, then was beaten and put to death for my sins. But he rose again, which is the message, conquering death so that one day I will have the privilege of being in his presence forever. Quite a statement. The second part of suffering for Christ, uh, it can strengthen us like in Romans 5, 3, 4. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. The third thing suffering can be is a witness. When people look at your life and they see you are going through a rough season, yet you are still holding on and still doing his will for your life and doing it with joy. That is such a powerful message of God's love for you and your faith and that he is present in your situation and will see you through it. Paul is suffering for the sake of his body, which is the church. So here's four kind of additional uh, benefits of suffering. One, we take our eyes off earth, earthly comforts we have become too attached to. We have way too many things. And if you know me, you know this one hurts. Two, it weeds out superficial believers. Three, it strengthens the faith of those who endure. And four, it serves as an example to others who may follow us. When we suffer, our faith is not because we did something wrong, just the opposite is true. It verifies that we have been faithful. So let's go to Colossians 1.25, in which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make up the word of God fully known. Paul sees his role as a God-given role and is trying to make the best of every opportunity he has to share it. We remember he is in prison at this point and he doesn't see this time as a time to stop but a time to work harder to make the most out of a not ideal situation as we would look at it but he looks at it differently he had a captive audience they couldn't go away either and he was able to have visitors who kept him aware of what the churches and the movement were doing paul continued to teach people who jesus was do you remember that is our mission too I can't count how many times over the years I would have been called to a church meeting or a church situation or a problem that arose that I either got upset at because I wasn't given the proper notice or couldn't make it because I had something very important to do, like watch TV. But if someone called to invite me to a hockey game, well, then my calendar became clear. Where was I focused? Was I centered on Christ at this moment or was I centered on my joy? That's not to say that we must drop everything because some night owl wants to call a meeting at 11 p.m. But just to think a little bit about our mission and the sacrifice sometimes we have to make and the ripple effect it might have down the road. I find when I feel like sharing the gospel or doing God's work is burning me out, it's because I'm relying on my own strength, not his. I look at it as a job instead of a privilege. I remember part of a song a way back, and part of it was, I have to go to church. But the next line was, I get to. 
that's what we have to keep focused on. We don't have to do things. We're not forced to do things. We get the privilege of working with God, the Creator, to help His people come to know Him, to help them get through situations in their life, help them rise themselves up from where they're at. And uh, that just should just draw, you know, many blessings onto them. And it should put a joy in your heart when you see that happening. Colossians now 1, 26 and 27. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them choose chose to make no, known, God, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We see here the false teachers in Colossians church believe that spiritual perfection was a secret and a hidden plan for only a few privileged people could discover. Paul said he was proclaiming the word of God in its fullness, not just part of the plan. This mystery was hidden until Christ came. Though Christ, it was made open to all. God's secret plan is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God planned to have his son, Jesus Christ, live in the hearts of all who believed in him. Even the Gentiles, non-Jews, like the Colossians. God's plan was hidden from previous generations, not because he wanted to keep something from his people, but because he was going to reveal it in his perfect timing. Paul explained that God's time for action was then and there. Originally, the Jews were God's people, but now through Christ, it is for everyone. No matter where you come from, nationality, or what you have done, we are all equal in God's eyes, Jews or Gentiles. The mystery is that though we have neither seen nor know God because of our sin, God, Christ makes it possible for us. Also, we can't get to God on our own. He has to come to us in Christ. Christ just didn't go to the cross to pay our price of our sins, but also comes to dwell in us through the Holy Spirit. So we are never out of his presence. We are never alone. The question is, do you know Jesus? He is not hidden from you. He is at your door, maybe knocking right now. Will you let him in so he can reveal himself to you and start to change your life forever? Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Christ's message is for everyone. So no matter where Paul went, the message didn't change. The focus was on Jesus. An effective presentation of the gospel is admonishing a warning, which is also connects with re repentance and refers to a person's conduct and a heart attitude, and teaching, which is connected to faith and doctrine. So the warning is that without Jesus, people are doomed to eternal separation from God. The teaching is that salvation is available through faith in Christ. The word perfect means mature or complete, not flawless. Please don't miss this point. We are not perfect, but God's grace helps us in this matter. We do mess up as we start in our walk, and it is rough, but the strength of the Holy Spirit can help us to deal with all of our issues. Paul wanted to see each believer but mature spiritually as do the leaders of our church. Nothing delights them more than to see someone come to know the Lord and then see their lives bloom in their walk and to see God working through them. 
what a powerful statement, a powerful blessing that we get to witness somebody coming to the Lord, somebody giving their life to Christ, somebody's life changing. And then as you see God working with people that didn't think they could do it or didn't have it in them, but yet Christ grabs a hold of them and he strengthens them and he gives them this purpose, this message of go share my love with others. That is just amazing to see. And probably I don't do it enough. But in saying that, God forgives me for that. So as we're going through and we see what God has done through these new believers, we have the power of God's Spirit working through us so we can learn and grow daily, motivated by love, not by fear or pride. Knowing God gives us energy to become mature. When you give your life to Christ, it is not the finish line, but is the starting line. So hold on, for, for you are in a ride of your life. Now we are moving into Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. I want to know how great a struggle, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So Paul has never been to this neck of the woods. This city was located a few miles north of Colossae. The, this church was probably founded by one of Paul's converts while he was staying in Ephesus. Paul wanted this letter to go, for he was sure that false teaching may have spread there also. Paul hadn't been to this church, but they knew of him. His concerns comes from his pastoral heart and a concern for their well-being. Paul struggled knowing that false teaching threatened to keep Colossian believers from maturing in their faith. In Colossians 2.2, 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of all full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Again, this mystery word appears as we remember that Jesus is God's mystery. They were encouraged to seek true knowledge and understanding, which gives us full assurance, which is a richness and abundant confidence in Christ. The more you know of Christ and the more you know of God's word, the less chance that you will have to be led astray by false teaching. And when we bond together in this mission, we draw strength from each other. We have a sense of security and we know we are not in this alone. In Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. True wisdom is found only in Christ. True knowledge is found only in Christ. Knowledge is often described as good judgment, wisdom and as an application, that judgment in the form of good action. Everything anyone wants to know about God and his purpose in the world is answered in the person of Christ. Hidden doesn't mean concealed, but rather that they were laid up or stored away to, made to be made available to those who desire a relationship with Christ. Have you read something in the Bible and all of a sudden the light comes on and you see something totally different? You've read that scripture before, you've heard it before, you've spoken it before, but then all of a sudden God reveals something to you something you have not seen before. And I can remember Nick Nicole saying that, who was well up in his ages at the time, still teaching at Sunday school. And I remember him reading a verse, 
and it just opened up. And he just said, I never took it like that before, but now its application is now available to me. How I'm going to use that verse is different than what I was going to use it for before. And that has been a man that has been, that taught us for years. So there's things that's going to be revealed to us as we grow in our maturity, as things come into our lives. The Holy Spirit will give us these words, this, this knowledge that we never had before that will help us in the situation we're in, will help us be a blessing to somebody else, and will teach us a valuable lesson. So don't think it's over because you know a little bit of the Bible. So when God is revealing something new to you and it blows you away, in that moment, just lift up praise to him and thank him for allowing you to understand more. And it will, again, change your life. Now, this is not to say that we don't seek wise counsel when we doubt something or we are struggling in life, for that is what his church family is for. In Colossians 2.4, it says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. They knew, they, had to, they knew what they had to do to be saved. They already knew, one, that they, they needed to know to have eternal life, but they needed to grow in maturity in their faith, that they had received. False teachers can make a good argument about what they think about coming to know God, but unless you have been seeking his wisdom, you will be led astray by them. It is not just for the pastor or your elders who need to know this. It is you and I. We are responsible to feed ourselves because you don't have an elder in your back pocket all the time, but you can have the word of God with you at all times. So as we come to the last verse of Colossians 2.5, we read, For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. Paul couldn't go to them because he was still in prison. But we wanted them to know that his heart was with them. He knew that they were living as they should and had strong faith in Christ. These two characteristics called caused Paul to be very happy, for they had not fallen to false teaching. They were unified, body, steadfast in their faith. People are praying for us constantly from all over the world. Yes, little old you and me. As we are praying for those all over the world, think of a mission like me at Graceland in Poland. They are on my prayer list and I am on theirs. Or maybe a place where there's trouble, or drought, or this virus. Just lift them to God. We may never know how God has impacted someone's life, but we have faith that he will be in the middle of whatever is going on. This is also part of maturing in thinking of others before yourself. So, as we go, and we have started our 40 days of prayer, here are seven ways to pray for each other. One, be thankful for their faith and changed lives. Two, ask God to help them to know what he wants them to do. Three, ask God to give them deep spiritual understanding. And four, ask God to help them live for him. Ask God to give them more knowledge of himself. Ask God to give them strength for endurance. And number seven is ask God to fill them with joy, strength, and thankfulness. 
So there was quite a lot of things to gather in that few verses. Think of yourself of where you are right now in your walk. Well, that seven list, maybe that's part of what you need to be maybe praying for yourself for. Maybe praying for others for. Let's hold ourselves accountable to getting this message out. This, this mission, this secret, this mystery of Christ is that Christ is in us and gives us the strength to endure. So I thank you for being with us. I'm going to close this in praying and then um, we'll, we'll end. So let's close by praying. Father, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus and I thank you for his love for, for me and for you and for all of us. Thank you for Paul's devotion to your mission and those who have done the same in our lifetime. I thank you for your message today, and I would ask that those that hear it will know this mystery, that Christ has come to dwell in us through the Holy Spirit, that you have given us your best so that we may be able to have a relationship with you. Father, I am thankful for the faith and the changed lives. Help us to know what you need us to do. Give us deep spiritual understanding. Help us to live for you. Give us more knowledge of you. Give us endurance and fill us with your joy and your strength and thankfulness. All this, Father, so that we would be humble knowing where all this comes from. So we may be the church you need us to be. Be with those that are struggling today due to the loss of a close one to them. Those that are sick, our seniors, those that are battling drugs and depression or a loss of job or just struggling, Father, this morning knowing or asking where you are in their lives. May people today just open themselves up to you. May they just reveal themselves to you. May they surrender themselves to you. May they just know of your presence this morning. May you just touch them with your, with your Holy Spirit and reveal yourself to them today. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for doors that you will open and give us the eyes to see, Father, those that you put before us. Those moments where we have a chance to change somebody's life. To change somebody's direction of where they're headed. Father, give us that strength. Give us that compassion and love for those around us. Help us to understand you more. Help us to stand, understand each other more. And may we always remember, Father, that you are present with us continually. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope to see you next week in person at the center. And remember to register because um, maybe four or 500 are going to show up and you're going to be sorry. So register next week. You can just do it through Facebook or through the Harbor's website. And uh, have a great week. And remember, you are not alone. And God loves you. Amen. Bye-bye.